Hey friends, it's Melvin. Thanks for tuning into this episode. Here's just a few quick things I wanted to notify you guys about before we get started. First up, very soon, new episodes will be releasing Wednesday mornings rather than Tuesday. So don't panic if you don't see a new episode on Tuesday. Just wait a little longer and you'll see it in your feed. Second, we've introduced a mailbag. Check those show notes and toward the bottom you'll see a mailbag link. You'll then be able to text us any questions you might have about movies, the movie industry, or any movie-slash-Christian-related questions you might have. Then we'll respond in a future episode, so send us your questions now. Up next, Patreon polls, which are available to Patreon supporters at the $3 tier or higher, have been updated. Supporters can now suggest films or shows to be reviewed at the end of each month. The two most liked submissions will become the options for the Patreon poll, so if you want to hear us talk about your favorite movie or show, join our Patreon and start campaigning. And lastly, whether you're a new or long-time listener, please consider writing a review or rating the Cinematic Doctrine podcast on iTunes and Spotify. Apart from financially supporting on Patreon, these are the two most helpful ways to support the show. And that's it. Enjoy the episode. Hi, my name is Melvin, and there is never enough toilet paper. Welcome to Cinematic Doctrine, a Christian movie podcast where we sit at the table of cinema and eat. Tonight we'll be dining on Rob Letterman's Pokemon, Detective Pikachu. It's surprisingly hard to start this review, and I think it's because the subject matter is almost surreal. I mean, a live-action Pokemon movie. That's almost crazy to think about, but 2019 is the gift that keeps on giving, and I'm sure I'll be saying that again come November. And it's not like a live-action Pokemon movie wasn't in the cards. No, it's suspected that Pokemon is the highest-grossing franchise in existence, so it only makes sense that this would happen. In fact, what's surprising is how long it took for Hollywood to finally get this out there. But that's probably more due to technological requirements than talent. And for those who are in disbelief over the financial success of Pokemon, look no further than Wikipedia's list of highest-grossing media franchises. And yes, you'll see there's a lot of Japanese franchises that dominate that list. As it isn't until number three we see the first Western property make the list with Winnie the Pooh. Of course, this is Wikipedia, and while everyone uses it as a legitimate source of information anyway, we all have an instilled skepticism thanks to the combination of new media, and our teachers all going, You can't use it as a legitimate source, even though we all do, so whatever. But enough about me ranting about the modern education system's distrust in new media. Let's get a description in here and get this thing started, shall we? Following the death of his father, Tim Goodman, played by Justice Smith, arrives at Rhyme City, a utopia where humans and Pokemon live together in harmony to collect his father's belongings and head home. Yet upon his arrival, a certain small furry creature breaks in and begins talking to him. A talking Pikachu voiced by Ryan Reynolds with a detective's cap? Color Tim surprised, especially when he learns his father may only be missing. So begins the adventures of Pokemon Detective Pikachu. This movie is rated PG for action and peril, some rude and suggestive humor, and thematic elements. So, action and peril. Yeah, the film has a fair amount of action, and I guess some scenes could be considered sparingly frightening. But nothing more than a Marvel film might have. Although, Pokemon are giant monstrous creatures, but the scenes in the trailers are about as frightening as the film gets. Although there is one scene that evokes Ridley Scott's alien, but in the most PG way, as you'd expect. And that's not the only Ridley Scott movie this film evokes, too, so I'll get into that later. 
Regarding rude or suggestive humor, I think there was one joke that surprised me insofar as it's PG, where Pikachu jokingly invites Tim Goodman to the apartment and jokes, I'm not usually the kind of Pokemon to invite first-timers to my apartment, or something like that. It isn't really said in a suggestive manner and is more of a joking chortle between two friends. But anything else in the film didn't nearly push that, and even then, that joke really wasn't all that aggressive for suggestive humor. Although there is a passive joke about some brutish tough guy in his internet history, so maybe parents should just check out the Parents Guide on IMDb if there is something that you'd worry about. And last but not least, it rates thematic elements in the certification, but I can't honestly explain what that means other than they're just giant chaotic events with tons of CGI, so I guess I'll just go with that. Now, as far as my interaction with the Pokemon franchise has gone, I'd say I'm pretty behind when it comes to generational releases, the current movies, and whatever is happening in the show. It's been around since I was a kid, and I played a lot of Gen 1, I love Gen 2, I still want to get my hands on a copy of Pokemon Crystal, by the way. I've never finished Gen 3, although I love the music, and by the time Gen 4 released on the DS, it couldn't really keep my attention that long. At some point, the grind got a little ridiculous to me, and I wasn't interested in that style of gameplay anymore. I did like Mystery Dungeon and Pokemon Coliseum as far as spin-offs go, but even then, I never even finished those games. So as far as the games go, I haven't jumped back in for a long time. I think the most recent Pokemon-related endeavor I went on, besides, you know, seeing Pokemon Detective Pikachu, was trying to watch the original show with my wife, but virtually every episode put me to sleep. I would clock out, and by the time we got around to watching more episodes, I had to rewatch the ending to the previous one. It was like animated NyQuil. Suffice to say, I like Pokemon, but I'm not all that invested, and yet I found myself looking forward to watching this movie for the longest time. I think my excitement is due in part to the absurdity of the project. A live-action Pokemon film seems disastrous, like most movies based off video games, for that matter. The core excitement of a video game is often lost in translation during the transition, and that's mostly due to producers only owning the rights to a franchise film, but never actually caring much about the franchise to begin with. And Pokemon? Well, it seems even more disastrous, considering how big a world it is, and how deep some of its lore can get. Yet the trailer was promising. And the general aesthetic of the film seemed highly appealing. And the film does have a nice atmosphere to it when it's not lathered in CGI galore. A lot of that comes from John Mathiason, who shamelessly admits he wanted the film to look a lot like Blade Runner. A regular director of photography for Ridley Scott, it's funny to think that Blade Runner isn't even the only film that Pokemon Detective Pikachu evokes from Scott's filmography. As mentioned before, there's even a sequence that seems to be built from the atmosphere of the Nostromo bringing back memories of a xenomorph mercilessly hunting its prey. And you know what? I don't mind that at all. Especially when it's shot in 35mm. I mean, this film looks absolutely beautiful at times, thanks to being on film. But a part of that is to its own detriment, as sequences that feel authentic and real popping out with vibrancy are juxtaposed by CGI-laden moments that look soulless and uninspired. And that's too bad, because the best moments are those in Rhyme City, which looks wonderfully populated. There's a real sense of autonomy on how the city is shown to its audience, almost as though you could pluck the main characters out of the world, turn it into a CCTV stream, and watch the world continue its routine with little to no interaction. From a news station that has questionable ethics, low-income housing where a concierge is fast asleep at his desk, a quote-unquote coffee bar that's a bit used and run down. To city streets that are bustling with traffic, everything feels intentional and real. And what makes the movie so great in that sense is that the abstract idea of Pokemon is knit so well into an everyday socioeconomic environment that you can't help but find it endearing and borderline attractive. 
A news station is talking about the current mishaps regarding Rowdy Pokemon. The concierge is sleeping while his frog-like Pokemon Trico is chirping at him to wake up and do his job. The coffee bar has a Ludicolo barista. And a Snorlax is the fault of all the traffic, as he decided it best to take a nap in an intersection. Oh, oh, and Matchamp is directing traffic since he has enough arms to count for everything safely. If it sounds weird, well, that's because it sort of is. But it also works really well, too. I think that's because a lot of this movie is a fun, goofy noir film with Pokemon, rather than a Pokemon movie. And that only makes it weirder, because it's not as highbrow to be outright considered postmodern, yet it balances so much stuff that otherwise would seem ill-fitted. It has a strange mixture of Eastern and Western aesthetics, a multicultural environment spanning not only different human races, but all kinds of Pokemon, the mere idea of converting the Pokemon aesthetic into a neo-noir experience, it's just really funny to me to think of how much this film is basically a PG Blade Runner sans the whole overt philosophy. I mean, it's just delightful. And that delight extends in some sense, even to the end of the film. Although there's a very clear point when I found myself going, you have actively lost me. I still found myself largely enjoying myself. And I think a lot of that had to do with how far it wanted to push some of the stranger aspects of the Pokemon world. So I talked to my wife about it after the film, and I described it this way. Pokemon the first movie is pretty grounded and doesn't get all that weird, although I'll admit that it does get a bit weird. However, its premise is still simple. A bunch of people are given tickets to join a special gym battle on an excluded island. Then you have the convoluted and fantastical premise of the third Pokemon movie, and you're going, what are these strange, mystical, unknown Pokemon that can make dreams into reality? What power resides in these ancient halls? What exists in the castle made of crystals? I guess what I'm saying is that Pokemon Detective Pikachu, although losing my interest during the last 25 or so minutes, started to get into that weird, fantastical area that I want more of, and while I didn't think it was very good this time around, it felt like a promise. It felt like someone was saying to me, look, next time we're gonna get weird. And you know what? Hey, I love that. Get weird on me. Pokemon Detective Pikachu already took a bajillion risks by just existing and the fact that it's going well financially, even with the looming shadow of Endgame stealing ticket sales, speaks to how successful a series of Pokemon films could be, and I'm all for that. Especially if they're as funny as this one was. I mean, that Mr. Mime stuff was just gold. And with that, thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Cinematic Doctrine. If you've seen Pokemon Detective Pikachu, what did you think of it? Was it everything you hoped for, or was it a real snooze fest? Let me know with an email to cinematicdoctrine at gmail.com or check me out on Facebook at Cinematic Doctrine. And if you'd like to see my rating for this film or others, check out my letterbox at Paraturtle, where I'll also have a list of all the films we've covered on Cinematic Doctrine along with a Spotify link to those episodes. All this will be available in the description if you so need it. Next time I'll be covering Chad Stahelski's John Wick Chapter 3, Parabellum. Until then, stay cool. for trouble and make it double to protect the world from devastation to unite all peoples within our nation to denounce the evils of truth and love to extend our reach to the stars above jesse james team rocket blasts off at the speed of light surrender now or prepare to fight yeah that's right want some cinematic doctrine swag you're in luck we've got three inch cinematic doctrine logo stickers exclusive for patreon supporters Perfect for your travel mug or laptop. Head over to patreon.com forward slash cinematic doctrine, link in the show notes, and choose the independent theater tier. 
Doing so will net you other perks, too. But let's be real. The podcast stickers are the coolest perk. So get yourself some podcast stickers by supporting on Patreon.